Hello, uh, I am Nicholas from Incorpus and I am very glad to be in company of uh, Raquel Bailon and Nicholas Granquist. So please, would you introduce yourselves, Raquel? Yes, sure. Thank you very much for the invitation to this podcast. I am Raquel Bailon. I am Associate Professor at the University of Zaragoza. I am by default a telecommunication engineer, but have my PhD on biomedical engineering. And uh, since I started my PhD, I have been working on heart rate variability, developing uh, signal processing techniques to obtain robust measurements from them. And I have been applying it to monitor different uh, cardiovascular, respiratory, and even mental disorders, as well as to detect the stress and sports performance. Thank you very much. How about you, Niklas? Hello, everybody. So I'm Niklas Granqvist. I am the CTO of a company called Nanolec. Uh, what Nanolec is doing is that Nanolec integrates dry electrodes and cables into textiles. We call that for e-textiles. And, uh, and we actually have robust systems that uh, can be used now to enable basically any textiles to become uh, a smart textile for, for heart rate and ECG measurement. And uh, we have cardiologists, um, uh, uh, breathing experts, all kinds of uh, experts are now looking at, at the textiles and our technologies. Before Nanolek, I was at Swatch Group, and before that, I was at Polar for 15 years. So at Polar, I developed uh, heart rate measurement. I developed some of the Bluetooth transmitters. I also developed the Bluetooth sports ecosystem that you have out there. <laughs> So I, I, I have a long history with heart rate and ECG measurements and things like that, biosignal measurement. Okay, thank you very much. So now here we go. Here is my first question. It's a quite a general one so to introduce our subject. So what can HRV tell about physiology? So, well, uh, heart rate variability is the most widely accepted uh, non-invasive marker of autonomic nervous system. So the idea is that analyzing B2B changes in the heart rate information on the activity of the sympathetic and parasympathetic branches of autonomic nervous system on the synovial node can be evaluated. So at the end, it represents the, 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 the ability of the autonomic nervous system to respond and adapt to both external and internal stressors. Usually heart rate variability, when it's high, is usually an indicator of good health and, and good performance, while reduced heart rate variability is usually associated to fatigue, stress, overtraining, and pathological conditions. Okay, but how does it work? So do you have to take a test? Can you wear a sensor all day long? Uh, how can you record this data and how can you analyze it? Nicholas? So yep. usually, usually it's enough that you maybe record like five uh, minutes of, of, of recording of, of RR intervals. Mm -hmm. And after that, you usually you have, a, let's say, a robust measurement of the variability. What is important is that you do this heart rate variability, let's say, the same way every day, every time at the same clock. And uh, because it's a measurement that is affected so much by what you do and, and, and your physiological state, 
also your mind. Okay. And, and what if you don't have five minutes in front of you and you still want to do measurements? Can you do it? Well, I would say that uh, you can do it because when you talk about uh, short-term heart variability, uh, you can even have uh, good estimates with even one or two minutes. I would say that the important thing is to have uh, a, a, a these homogeneous conditions between all the recordings. I think this would affect more than the either you are measuring one, two minutes or five minutes. Then there are also different measurements that can be more or less affected uh, if you are using shorter or longer recordings. Niklas, do you, do you want to say something about this? No, I, I think I agree. Basically, you can also get it shorter. Um, I think it depends much on the initial conditions you have. If you do this like in the bed when you wake up, then you are a very homogeneous state and, and it will be very fast, reliable measurement. If you're measuring this in the afternoon and, and you lie down and, and, and you need to find peace, it can take a little bit longer time for most people, I think, to get to that state. But basically, I agree, okay. agree with, with, with Rachel. Okay. Um, now, my next question is a little bit more technical. I have heard that the respiratory was a big influence on HIV. How can we take this into account and do accelerometers or measurements of respiration uh, would be an advantage uh, for recording the RR intervals? Okay, so um, breathing affects the heart rate variability. It also affects the amplitude of the ECG complexes. And it affects also, let, let's say, the whole closed loop system with blood pressure, baroreflex, etc. And typically breathing, I think it goes like into the uh, lower parts uh, of, of the spectrum. And uh, there it, it affects the measurements. So ideally, you would uh, measure the breathing uh, somehow, and, and you could also add a correction for the breathing. Um, to the variability measurement. Although I, I don't think most companies are doing that today. This would be very state-of-the-art measurement. I, I don't actually know anybody that is doing that today. Yes, but also there are sensors like the latest, uh, the latest sensors also have accelerometers, so you can measure yes. respiration and then you can use this information behind the curtain to provide a better HRV. I agree. This is very, very nice. It, okay. It's a very good and positive development. Okay. Um, Yes. yes, I agree. I agree that it's uh, very important to take uh, breathing information into account when interpreting heart rate variability indices, especially, for example, if we are talking about the sportmen who usually have a slow respiratory rate, right? Then if you have a low respiratory rate and you use spectral indices of heart rate variability, you would obtain a complete uh, mislead interpretation of the indices. Mm -hmm you would uh, obtain a sympathetic dominance when in fact you are the opposite way. You are having slow and relaxed breathing. So I think it's very important to take uh, respiratory information into account. And I was going to add that uh, not only you can derive uh, respiratory rate or respiratory information from an accelerometer or a dedicated sensor, you can also derive breathing information from the ECG and from the PPG. So there is no need for this extra sensor to obtain 
respiratory information. Okay, so it is very good to hear about PPG. So I was about to ask, what is it and how is it different from HRV? <laughs> so PPG, probably most of our listeners have had a watch that has these green blinking lights on the back. So the green blinking lights, they actually, they, they emit um, a certain frequency of light and that that light goes into the tissues, uh, it hits actually the arteries and uh, there it picks up the modulation of, of the pulse wave from the heart. And then out of that scattered, very, very faint scattered light, you can actually, you can derive the pulse wave um, um, from the heart. So that, that's PPG. Out of that pulse wave, then you can derive many other measures um, that are then related to blood pressure, wall stiffness, etc. So it's a very important measurement that that I still think can give much more than what we have today. Okay, so what kind of other information is there in PPG that we do not have in HIV, for example? Um, well, uh, regarding PPG, if we um want to talk beyond, beyond heart rate information, although there is more to talk about uh, heart rate information derived from the PPG, right? But, but um, we can also find uh, information on how the autonomic nervous system is regulating vasoconstriction on the blood vessels. And we can derive indices of uh, arterial stiffness, for example. And uh, there are now uh, some works and companies that uh, they are estimating blood pressure just from a PPG signal. I think this is really challenging and, uh, and um, extended validation should be done, especially into the capability of uh, blood pressure derived um, measurements um, a long time. The possibility of using a PPG to continuously monitor blood pressure. This is something that uh, should be still evaluated, but uh, this is a very um, potential um, contribution of, of uh, PPG to, to, to health monitoring, I would say. Okay. And now if we have simultaneously the ECG and PPG, can we even have more information than just one or the other? I'm thinking about pulse transient time and those kind of things. So I, I would see them as complementary. Partially they have the same information, partially mm -hmm. they have different information. Um, so for example, the heart rate and um, heart rate and R intervals, for example, they can be derived for both. Mm -hmm. uh, R intervals from PPG is likely to be a little bit worse than those from ECG simply because if you think about the wave coming from the heart when it passes through the arteries it gets smoothed out and it's not always so easy to find the same accuracy the electrical pulse is then very or should i say it's very well contained yes so it, it's easy to find and easy to find the maximum so so but uh, generally there there will be more applications i think on the ppg side in the future than on the ecg side and uh, these these applications will be many will be medical um, and and also um, um, wellness applications. One of the big applications of PPG today is is uh, when we think about lung health is the pulse oximetry. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and that's that's PPG, and that's something you couldn't do with ECG. Yep. So today, would you trust um, would you trust better an ECG to have your OR intervals or a PPG watch to have other sensors in terms of quality of information you get back uh, as the technology of today? So the truth is that um, the PPG you can. Uh, measure very accurately when you are at rest mm -hmm. but as soon as you start to move it, it gets swamped into uh, motion artifacts and in particular if you have a person that is running very fast for example you really have not much left of the region of signal although if you measure ecg you still have a, a, an almost perfect signal many times at high speeds okay Okay, and do you think in the future uh, smart textiles or other things will be improving the PPG quality and so that we could use it during exercise? So smart textiles right now is mainly about ECG, EMG and EEG. Okay. So they are mainly about the electrical signals. Okay. And uh, so smart textiles right now will not do a lot for PPG, but, but I think we will see improvements in all the other areas. In particular, the heart rate measurement, let's say ECG measurement, will become very unobtrusive. Okay. We will have these electrodes and systems around you, but you will not feel them anymore. And so do you think then using um, HRV during exercise would be something possible in the future and would be useful? So, I mean, HRV, when you increase speed, when you increase the heart rate, then HRV goes away. So, so HRV at that higher... <laughs> Uh, it's probably not higher heart rates. It's not so informative. I, I don't know anybody that works in that field actually, but maybe Rachel can okay. do something. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, we have done some research in the field, and what uh, we have encountered is that uh, when uh, looking at the results using heart rate variability during exercise, you always find these contradictory, these contradictory, these contradictory results mainly because uh, the proper signal processing tools are not applied and uh, as we have uh, been saying before that heart rate variability is affected for so many things it also happens during exercise then during exercise your respiratory rate is changing the mean heart rate is changing and this also influences heart rate variability and there are also other components related to the movement that appear in heart rate variability so if these things are not taken into account, of course, you are going to have a contradictory results. What I think is that uh, up to date, most of the methods used for heart rate variability are not considering this. So we cannot uh, yet evaluate if it has a potential. But uh, for example, we have seen that in some um, pathologies in which uh, there is an alteration in autonomic nervous system, these differences are uh, enhanced when uh, doing exercise. And we can see these differences when analyzing heart rate variability mm. during exercise. So I think that there is still some, uh, some um, hole, let's say, in, in the future to, to give a chance to heart rate variability during exercise if the proper methods are, are used. The, the thing is that um, 
For example, you can analyze heart rate variability during exercise, taking all this information into account, but also the kind of exercise, the intensity, all these things have to be taken into account when interpreting heart rate variability in exercise. So you are not going to be able to apply the results of heart rate variability analysis during any kind of uh, exercise or, or, or different types of exercise would give different results. So I think there is a still uh, some research to be done on this before um, obtaining a practical measurement of heart rate variability in exercise, which can be directly uh, used to monitor uh, fatigue, performance, or, or this thing. Yeah, so I know some, some research that has been done, and uh, so basically when you increase the heart rate, then the, the heart rate variability kind of plateaus, so there's mm -hmm. a plateau. And this plateau has been actually connected to some of the metabolic thresholds. Whether that holds in general, I don't know, but um, I have no explanation to why, but I, I know it has been like that. Um, then if we go back to our initial idea, where we had supine, for example, or resting measurements, all weight in the same condition, the same way to perform, so we can compare from a day to another. Then if we do the same, uh, let's say, warm-up exercise from day to the next day, etc., you think on a steady state we could compare the different HRV values during exercise, so steady state, a light exercise, and we could get information on how, on exercise performance, for example. I think this is a possibility, especially if you are not uh, using very high intensity exercise, because then it occurs what Nicholas was saying about the, 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 the saturation um, of these uh, receptors. And also what happens is that the mechanical effect of breathing is also important. So at the end, you start uh, watching some high frequency oscillations in heart variability which are mainly related to the effort of breathing and not to any autonomic nervous system uh, regulation. PPG during exercise, as uh, you said, is very hard and not likely to be as useful. Do you think a light exercise steady state could still be um, useful with PPG? Yes, I, I think so. Um, that's possible. It, it needs to just needs to be remembered that PPG is so sensitive, and, and it's not only like external motions disturbances; it's also internal disturbances. So, for example, PPG does not generally perform well in the gym. Mm -hmm. For example, they're just sitting on a bicycle, and 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 you you keep the grip yep. of the handles. Uh, that causes enormous artifacts in the PPG many times because the tendons below the sensor are. Okay. Are tensed and, uh, and uh, so PPG is, is a really hard measurement in almost all sports. So I think the upper arm is a very good place. Okay. Uh, uh, the wrist is not a good place because it's not highly capillarized. Mm -hmm. The ear is also a good place, but it's not maybe so comfortable. But uh, uh, let's say about the eyes. Um, um, our head could, could be very good places. Uh, the finger is, of course, a good place. Uh, let's say uh, any place where you cut yourself and you bleed a lot. <laughs> this is Easy good place. Yeah, good places for PPG. No, no, mm. I, I agree with that. And, uh, and I would say that uh, there is a compromise 
between the information that you can obtain from the PPT, because uh, depending on the site of the body where you measure it, uh, the waveform is different and different information can be obtained. But there is a compromise between this and the susceptibility of uh, movement artifacts. For example, if you place the PPG in the arm or, or, or in the wrist or in the finger and you are running, then you are going to obtain uh, these uh, movement artifacts that are going to mostly destroy the, the, the PPG signal. In any case, uh, when analyzing the PPG in any situation that is not um, still, I would say it's important to have information on, on, on motion. So the use of accelerometer data to try to see um, the amount of effect of motion in uh, the measurements is always a good idea. So if I understand the word and if I summarize, I would say, well, you tell me if I'm right, but that would be HRV is currently um, more trustable maybe than PPG, but PPG has more information, but is more uh, likely to be affected by movements, artifacts. I think that's a very good summary of the current situation. Okay, and so what's for the future then? How do you see things evolving? So I, I think that what has happened is that uh, PPG kind of trumped ECG now in the market because it was possible to integrate it with watches, which is a very simple measurement. I think from my side, uh, I see that a lot of companies are now very interested in, in, in ECG again uh, due to smart clothing. And I think the ECG will hopefully come back. I'm able to bring that back to the market again. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, everything that, that, that you have said. I also wanted to add that um, also ECG has uh, important information that uh, PPE does not have and uh, can be interested in many cardiac applications, for example. That, that, that's for sure. And it's also a more uh, robust uh, measure. And now that uh, also um, wearables are, are evolving and, and different um, ways of measuring ECG are being developed. So I think there is a place for both the ECG yeah. and the PPG. And for sure, what I, need, what I think it's uh, important to be included uh, in the market as it is now is um, a way of accessing the signals that the wearable devices are recording, mainly regarding the PPG, because uh, sometimes they could be leading um, misleading information or, 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 or information can be better extracted uh, with some signal processing techniques or, or whatever. And there is this lack of validation of many devices. And also there is this lack of transparency of the way parameters are being extracted. So it's difficult to compare the whole um, the, 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 the whole bunch of uh, wearable devices uh, giving heart rate or even heart rate variability uh, measurements. What, what I can say, I guess, what I see on my side is that I see sports companies interested like in two electrodes. I also see sports companies that are interested like in Holter. We talked, let's say, three to five electrodes and right leg measurement. 
and then I see medical companies interested like in 12 lead or 10 electrodes. But then we also have, because I can integrate basically as many electrodes into a smart cloth as you want to. I also see some companies being interested like in 20 electrodes to view the heart in ultra high resolution. Uh, so I, I think this, this, at least this smart clothes, that smart garments that I'm working on, I think they have potential to, to change a lot of things. Smart garments are also very good, for example, for measuring ECG on children. Uh, gel electrodes are not very nice on children. Um, and I don't think you would like either to make a, a, an ECG with 20 electrodes with gel electrodes. Yes. Well, thank you very much to both of you. I think it's about time uh, to close this podcast.